0: What's up guys. Welcome to the podcast today. I have on here with me, uh, Jamal. Oh my gosh. What's your last name? Bandy. Bandy. Yeah. Yeah. I meant to ask how to say it because because I'm horrible with names. I'm always messing up names. That's okay. <laughs> but anyway, I'm here with uh, Jamal Bandy. He has a YouTube channel called prescribed truth. And, um, and it's exactly what it sounds like. He's, he's speaking about truth and, and he speaks particularly on, uh, gospel issues. Um, and he spent a little bit of time, I don't you can tell me in just a second if this is how your channel started. I, I don't think it is, but you spent, you spent quite a bit of time recently, at least, talking about the woke movement and uh, the problems uh, with that. So, but, but I think your channel started uh, for a different reason, if I remember right. But I don't know, maybe not, maybe yeah. not, I'll let you get into that. But yeah, I got Jamal here with me. Um, you can check out his YouTube channel at Prescribed Truth. Also, you can, you can find him on YouTube and uh, Twitter and Facebook as well. I mean, no, Twitter and Facebook as well. We already talked about YouTube. Um, but, um, but yeah, Jamal, go ahead. Um, I, guess, I guess the first question I would start off with is just kind of give yourself an introduction so people can have a better idea of who you are and, um, and what got you talking about um, social justice and kind of woke ideology and, and why is it that you came to the conclusion that, that uh, you're going to uh, oppose this movement?
1: Okay, okay. So um thank you for having me on, brother. I appreciate it. Um and so like you said, my name is Jamal Bandy. Um started prescribed truth back in two thousand seventeen. And like you were saying, it um it started by me uh coming out of a couple of bad churches um back in mm-hmm. two thousand ten and on. Um started off I came out of a cult and we're gonna go deep into that now, but um that's how it started. Me just, you know, after the Lord saved me in 2013, I just wanted to. It started with me wanting to help people who are in a lot of false teaching churches, a lot of false doctrine churches who don't know the gospel, and you know, wanting to combat that. And um, and as it grew, I just found myself really loving apologetics, and that's yeah. how that came about. Um, so yes, yeah, how I came into dealing with the woke movement is, I was on the fence about this. Um, when it first when I became uh, aware of everything um i remember thinking of myself in my local church that i'm in now uh, it's predominantly white you know there's um a mixed uh ethnic group within there you know but it's predominantly white and so I, I began to think about well our culture is not being implied in the church It's not being done this way done that way i like gospel hip-hop why are, can't we include some solid gospel hip-hop in our worship you know and and that became a thing that was always being talked about and and you know, kinda of activities we would do. And so I started to find myself buying into this idea that maybe, you know, the structures of these churches aren't meant for blacks. You know, it, it's not meant for. But I was on the fence about it. And again, I talked to other brothers who was um on that same side of things. And I know this idea of the woke movement goes deeper than that, but it's just how I came into this understanding and through my journey of it. And then um I started thinking about I couldn't be myself and, I, you know, I couldn't, you know, talk with my slang, my lingo, you know, around certain brothers because, you know, you got this this uh, this idea, this false idea that you have to talk proper in order to communicate with your white brothers, you know, sisters, <laughs> you know, especially the older ones. So, um, I began to have that stigma and everything else and, and I don't know, the Lord just dealt with me about that. It's like, maybe it's me, like maybe, like no one has ever told me, none of my no know, brothers or sisters in the Lord have ever come to me and said, Jamal, I don't like when you say yo. Like, I don't like when you, I don't like when you address me as bro and not brother. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't really don't like when you come dressed with your jeans and t-shirt on, you know, on a Sunday, you know, or, you know, any kind of stuff, but it's just my thinking, you know? And so I, I tested that theory. I, I started just doing the scriptures tell how we go to our brothers and how we go to people. And I began to just be intentional about going to my brothers and sisters in the Lord and, really seeing that all these things that I was putting in my mind that uh, portraying them in that way was wrong. And um, and I felt and I realized that a lot of these issues concerning in the church that people found uh, saying that oh, this, they don't value our culture this and that and third and is just based on something outside of the scriptures, nothing dealing with, you know, um, anything that's dealing with truth concerning in the, in the body of Christ. And, um, and even, even as I began to look more into that, I started to see things in our culture, how the media portrays things and the information we're given concerning um, incarceration, the, you know, uh, as far as the you know, prison systems and everything else, I started to see that the stats just didn't add up to what the narrative was, And um And that's where I began to start dealing with it more on my channel. Um, and so that, that's how I came to be talking about it and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, cool. Cool. Yeah. I know you'd mentioned, uh, you'd mentioned that on a, on a podcast you do with, uh, AD and, uh, um, what's his name? Edwin.
1: Edwin. Mm-hmm.
0: Edwin, What's his last name? Ramirez. Ramirez. That's right. Um, yeah, yeah. You'd mentioned that on, on that podcast. I thought that was kind of funny. Cause, cause I, uh, sometimes whenever I hear the complaints like that, I just don't, I, I just don't know what people mean. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I just don't know where that comes from. But yeah, I don't know. But anyway, but anyway, let's let's go ahead and jump into some more specific topics. Um, um, I know that you just mentioned, you just mentioned prison sentences and whatnot. And I know you've said some things from time to time that a lot of people aren't willing to say, that a lot of people kind of like tiptoe around and... and Maybe they're thinking it, maybe they're not, but they're, they're not willing to say. Um, and one of those things, there's a couple of those that we'll, we'll get in today, and we can get in you know, as deep as you want. But one of those things was uh, in a podcast you did recently talking about Stacey Abrams and uh, Governor Kemp and, and the, the abortion law that, that Governor Kemp had passed or had, had signed. Um, you said that it seems that, that it is more important to stop the murder of children than to reduce sentences for people who commit crimes that they know were crimes. So I I thought that was interesting because a lot of times, to, a lot of times people are very uncomfortable. It seems obvious to me that the murder of children is is a more important issue than any of these social right. justice issues. Even if they're right about a few of them, it's still like you know it's it's still just it, it doesn't seem like there's even a comparison between. It would mm-hmm. be like comparing slavery to like modern day poverty. Like, it, it, that would be insane. Obviously, slavery is far, far worse than modern-day poverty. In the same way, this abortion issue is far, far worse than modern-day poverty. It's far, far worse than people going to jail for longer than they should have. Right. right. But, but anyway, I was going to see if you could just kind of elaborate on that and, and uh, so the reason, you yeah. know, why you would say that and what, what the point you're trying to make whenever you whenever you say that.
1: So the difference in, in this situation dealing with uh, Stacey Abrams and Governor Kemp is that uh, Stacey, she wanted to reform um, prison laws concerning, uh, those who are incarcerated because of drug possession and, um, or distribution or whatnot. And, um, a lot of, you know, and, and I'm not going to see all that and Kemp, he wants to be harder on those who are having drugs. So it's like those who do drugs or those who have drugs and so on, and so forth. Um, he wants them to be locked up period, you know, get them off yeah. the streets. All right. And so this was the, that was the, the opposing views there. And then when it came to Stacey Abrams, she was for late term abortion, you yeah. know, up towards the time of birth. Kemp, he wanted to well, basically stop it at the heartbeat. Um, and so even though I believe and I'm pretty sure other Christians believe as well that, you know, life begins at conception, but that's yeah. where that's where he wanted to stop it at as far as when the heartbeat's detected, you know, you can't get an abortion at a point cool. I mean, I just think it's a great, you know, it's better than where, where it was like, that's progress. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for that I'm not going to be complaining about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, uh, when it came to this, it's like, well, the, the child in the womb has no choice as far as if they live or die, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're, they're not able to put a say in it, you know, where a person who does drugs or a person who possesses drugs, knowing that it's illegal to do so, and knowing that ever since the drug wars years ago made those sentences very high for those who have them, you already know what the consequences are if you do them. You already know. Yeah. There's no excuse. So, you know, if you go if, if you go and purchase a dime bag of weed or you go and get you some cocaine, you already know what, those, what the uh, repercussions are if you're caught with it. Yeah. You already know. So why complain? Why cry when someone is locked up for a long period of time for these things? so on and so forth. Now, do I, now, as uh, give you, um, my stance on this, I'm actually for reducing senses of those who just are never their, um, possession. I am actually, I'm okay with that. Um, but the, those who are already there already knew what their, those, uh, consequences would be. And therefore why do it? We know it's a, you know, as our sin nature and stuff like that, but you know, it's, it, it just, it's just the thing. The child does not have a, a say in the matter. Yet somebody is, forcing their will upon that child and it ultimately costing them their lives. And so I I just feel like it's a, it's, it's a big gulf of difference between the two.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I believe it was, uh, KS prior tweeted out something a few days ago where she talked about, she, she had quoted a New York times article in which someone had, uh, quoted a, a, uh, social justice advocate pastor that had said that, that, some of their white brothers and sisters don't seem to care about poor or immigrants or yada yada, um, or some of their white brothers and sisters that that are that advocate quite vehemently against abortion don't seem to care about the poor and immigrants and yada yada, which is which is slander to a certain extent because that's just not not the case. That's right. not that's not how it works. Just because you're advocating for one thing and not. Just because you're advocating for this issue and not for this issue over here, they says the thing doesn't mean you don't care about the people involved in that issue. It could mean that you just disagree with, with it being an injustice. It could could be a number of things.
1: Yeah, it it gives into it gives into a false narrative. Like then with immigrants, mm-hmm. who's ever been against immigrants? Yeah, I mean, call a spade a spade. Trump isn't against immigrants coming to the United States. He's against them coming here illegally. Yeah. Now, is is our system perfect as far as how they come into the come into the country? No, and I and I think everybody knows that. But that mm-hmm. still doesn't mean that people should still bypass coming trying to come legally. And everybody who comes here illegally is not trying to come here illegally because they're they're fleeing from being from danger. Yeah, they just they want a better life. You know, they want things different from where they are, or they, or they want to pursue school. Whatever the case may be, there's different reasons. You know and so to put everything on a blanket and say oh because you, you know he's wanting to build this wall uh, people who are for that as well are against immigrants that's like you said i think that's slander. that's not that's not true or or the poor is like we have there's things in place to help the poor right mm-hmm. you know so, so what what would be what are people against it's so bad it makes it seem like as if they're against the poor
0: you know that's that's an interesting point you make. because There are already things in place to help the poor. That's what I find so fascinating about like uh, whenever we get into uh, reparations discussion and that sort of thing, is that is that although these 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 welfare policies aren't aren't directed specifically at African Americans, there's plenty of white people in them too. But mm-hmm. but it's it's interesting that a lot of the solutions that they think they need more more money for education, we want more welfare programs like WIC and SNAP a lot of these things already exist to the point of where it, you can, if you qualify, you can get cell phones, you can get, you can get food stamps, you can get WIC, you can mm. get Medicare, you can get, or Medicare, or Medicaid, I always mix them up. I forget which one's for the poor. Or I, I whichever, mix them too. <laughs> <laughs> whichever one's for, for the poor. Like you can get all these things to the point that the benefits add up if depending upon your circumstances, obviously. So for instance, if you if your baby has a medical condition, the benefits, for that would likely add up to more than if you went out and got a full-time job and we're mm-hmm. actually making money on your own. So, so this idea that we don't already have these things in place that care for the poor from the government, which I, I disagree with those things. I think it should be done voluntarily through charity and through churches. But, but the idea that we don't already have those things and that we're going to implement more that are going to fix the problem all of a sudden just doesn't make any sense to me. Right. I, I just don't get where that, that idea comes from. From the woke crowd that the real the real problem is that we're not helping the poor it's like well wait a minute we have we already have massive government programs to help the poor so either they don't work which is inconvenient for the woke crowd or or i don't know i mean i don't even know what but, where they would go from there
1: well it's like well i'll tell you um i was listening to thomas Sowell, uh some videos he did on youtube and stuff like that and and I tell you, when it came to the issue dealing with welfare, like, like I said, I was on the fence with all this at one point. But after listening to I listened to him, it was uh day I, I started listening to AD Robles as well. Mm-hmm. I have, um Edwin Ramirez I actually referred me to him, and that's how I um uh, connected with him. But um, but as I began to listen to these things and people talk about welfare and and with how that really works and everything else, it's like I began to really see like wow, so in order for welfare to work, it does take from people, it, it takes from yeah. others and then pushes to pushes to others. And our, in our country are our, and our culture says, Oh, that's okay. Take, take like, like the Robin Hood factory, you know, take from the rich, give to the poor, you know,
0: yeah. so that's, that, that's
1: a noble thing. That's a good thing. But biblically, that's an evil thing. You know, like we're not called to take from take from anyone that's that's stealing because no one is giving consent to say, Hey, I want to give these things. I want to do these things. It's being forced. And I was like, wow. And I benefited from welfare. I mean, you know, in the past, you know, I have, you know, so it's like, you know, I'm like, okay, hey I was down for this, you know, it's like, man, after looking at everything and looking at everything from a biblical perspective, it's like, you know, I really don't, I don't agree with that. And I listened to Thomas Sowell talk about how welfare really hurt us more than it did help us, you know, so now like we're depending, up we're dependent upon it, you know, versus our own strength or, you know, or, you know, working hard or, you know, yeah. What we need to do and stuff like that, and so I know some people disagree with him on those things, but it made sense, you know, especially because of the affirmative action and all those things like that. It was just it really opened my eyes to things. So on the yeah. subject of, oh, go ahead.
0: No, oh, I thought you were done. My bad. You can. You
1: can I, well, I was just going to say real quick on the, on the subject of reparations. Mm-hmm. I just like what my ish, issue with that is that you're basically going to make people pay who had nothing to do with the wrongs that was done then, who was going to do the payment. So whatever reason, if there was supposed to be payment back then and it didn't happen, well that's on those who died, it should not come to it should not come to those who are descendants of those. Yeah. You know, say because we're not we're not enslaved. And you know and think about like like my even though my ancestors were slaves, right? Even though they were slaves, I'm not a slave now. I was born, I was born free, I was born to get an education, I was born to born able to get in education, I should say, um, born able to be able to walk freely and, and everything else. Nobody owes me anything. I mean, they, they owe, may have owed them something, you know, and they may have been, whether it was, whether it was dishonesty, whatever case may be, that didn't happen. Whatever sins it was then, they, people should not have to pay for that today, you know, unless they're guilty of whatever, then they should do, they should seek restitution for what they do themselves, but not for what somebody else has done.
0: Yeah, that's the that's the common misconception. They like to use the word reparations. So I remember uh, speaking of AD. We keep talking about AD. If 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 you're watching this and you haven't watched AD Robles' YouTube channel, you got to go watch it because he's. I I know. I've heard from several people that he's changed their mind on a lot of these uh, social justice stuff. He does a great job of breaking it down and 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 using scripture to do so. Yes. Um So yeah, he's he's been a pretty big inspiration. Um, but what now? What we were you talking about? talking about reparations with ad hmm. now i can't can't remember
1: uh, uh you, you was going to uh, you had mentioned um
0: <laughs> about the the uh, twitter oh man I, I don't even know what i was going to say about it but anyway uh, speaking of thomas Sowell, yeah a lot of the stuff that he writes i can't remember i was, ad had said something i was going to mention when he said but oh well i forgot <laughs> it <laughs> but uh, but speaking of thomas Sowell, yeah one of the one of the arguments he makes on why welfare didn't help is he points back to, okay, what did it look like before we had as much welfare as we did in the late 60s and prior? Because that's whenever it really got mm-hmm. ramped up. Um, we, had, we had some before that, but, but it really got ramped up in the late 60s. And, um, and he says, well, if you look at, a lot of people blame redlining for why black people live in most poor communities. And he says, well, that doesn't exactly play out because redlining happened in the 40s. And it was done by the mm-hmm. time welfare came about. And, and the black families were doing better and better and better until you get to around the early '70s, and then they start doing worse and worse and worse. And the early '70s would have been right after, right after um, a lot of large, massive government welfare programs were passed. So yeah, um, he he does make. Whenever you read a lot of the stuff that that he writes, he he has like a logical progression for why he believes what it is. It's not like he comes into it with some ideology. And he grew up, he, he grew up in, an, in in a mostly black, mostly poor neighborhood. So it wasn't. It's not like he's you know he's somebody that grew up around a bunch of white people all the time. Right. Um, I can't remember exactly what he did. And that dude is, I, oh, it frustrates me so much. See, I'm not allowed to mention him because, uh, because that means that I'm, uh, I'm using, uh, participating in tokenism whenever I mention it. That's what <laughs> I get told all the time. But I have never once brought up Thomas Sowell because he's black, because it makes no sense. He's like, he's one of the most, um, well, uh, uh, what's the word for it? can't think of the word he's one of the most well-educated well um um
1: he's well-spoken well, yeah
0: well-spoken well-thought-out economist he is the best economist in the world still alive today like the only one that that i would really compare to him that made an impact on society as a whole that, that who's whose people whose name people remember would be milton friedman but milton Friedman's not alive anymore thomas Solwell mm-hmm. and i I mean, I think Thomas Sowell does a far better job at explaining things to the layman. This is one of the reasons why I like Jordan Peterson. Of course, Jordan, neither Thomas Sowell or Jordan Peterson is Christian, so I don't advise of right. them for, for uh, spiritual, <laughs> right. spiritual help. But, but it's another reason why I like Jordan Peterson is he's, he's deep into that psychology stuff, so he can help people understand things, but he's really good at explaining it in like, layman's terms. And Thomas Sowell is the same way. He's, he's, he's really well-versed in economics, but there's a lot of people that are really good at economics, but they can't explain anything to you. They don't. Mm-hmm. But he's he's smart enough that he he can he can learn it there, and then he can also explain it in books to to just the common man. Um, um, but anyway, didn't mean to go on a Thomas Sowell rant, though, but uh, yeah, cool. but I really I really love his stuff. And and you bring it up, and 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 people say you're participating in tokenism. It's like, have you like? have you just taken five seconds to research who this guy is and, and all of his accomplishments? He, he was a professor for, for how many years? He's got a number of degrees. He's got like, he spent his entire life focusing on economics. Like I wouldn't do that. There, there are some you know, leftist economists that I wildly disagree with. And I would never say that somebody is participating in tokenism or that I dismiss their opinion because of anything other than the ideas themselves. And logically no, you know, consistent. It's, it's just insane. But that's but, a problem with the
1: problem with the narrative here is like, it's, it's when you, truth doesn't matter when it comes to this stuff. And that's another thing that bothers me It's more centered on emotionalism. It's like, I, I, you know, me being an African-American man, a lot of these things that I've talked about on my channel concerning these things have kind of stirred me emotionally. Like I could mm-hmm. see how, um, you know, other African-Americans may see these things as being, some some of these things are being so messed up or so jacked up how the narrative plays out, because I feel it. You know, I feel it. But when you throw when you get rid of the emotions, you let the truth stand, the facts stand, it's like, why not let why not just listen to that? Especially as those of us who are Christians. I mean, our, our Lord and Savior is the way, the truth, and the life. And so yeah. why, you know, why are we looking more into what makes us emotionally sound or makes us feel good versus what the truth actually is? And that's what I appreciate about Thomas Sowell. It's like the things that he says, you can, you can back up with facts. It's not just him just spewing out ideas. Like you said, you know, he's just backing up with, with stats, with, you know, with, and not just – like you said, not just um, – he brought up with the 70s, like not just like a, a year of stats or a moment in stats, but like a, just a pattern, and it's, yeah. and it's all – and it's documented, you know?
0: Yeah, and I think – I think um, one, one place I would say he goes wrong Well, he doesn't even really go wrong there because in his most recent book, he talks about this. Um, I haven't, haven't read it yet, but I have a friend, uh, my friend at work has read it and and he told me a little bit about what was in there. But um, one one place where I do see him making a large emphasis is on welfare being the cause. And I think it is a cause, but I think the problem with, with this woke topic is that, you know, and who's poor and why they're poor and who's, who's uh, in a more dire situation and why they're there is that it's, really complicated like there's not any one single issue that has caused this and that's what the woke side wants to do they want to say it's this one single it's this one single issue of past depression that has led to all this and it's like well i mean and that could have even been a trigger and i think that's likely that that was a trigger but then there's certain decisions that were made along the way that didn't have anything to do with that Mm -hmm. that that it's just it's just complicated there's a whole series of factors and they will point to some of the the um the uh what do you call it Bradley Mason does this all the time he'll just list out a bunch of of uh man i'm doing horrible today what's what's the word for for like differences in uh in uh income and differences in uh, incarceration rates say it again disparities disparities yeah so disparities in income and incarceration rates and all these things and he'll list out all these stats and i'm going but all those are connected like those are yeah y- people that are generally poor are generally more likely to live in bad neighborhoods. People that generally more likely to live in bad neighborhoods are generally more likely to participate in crime. People are generally, so it's like all these things are connected. So you can list one of those stats and I can go, if you list one of those, all of this is probably true, but that doesn't mean that all of that equals there's, there's massive racism going on right now right. institutionally that is causing all of this.
1: Right. That just
0: means there are all these disparities and all these disparities exist for probably a number of reasons
1: and I used to I used to um be on the side of that saying that that's wrong but and that's one thing that um AD did help me with is that uh, when I was watching these videos is like as you went through as you looked through the scriptures that disparities this, disparities existed in the scriptures and never did God call that as evil thing as far as like there's something that was evil and some mm-hmm. things there's some disparities are already put in place it's my far as differences and and levels of where people are some things, are, some things are put in place by God himself. And so disparities in itself signifies evil. It's like we can't be consistent as Christians with that idea. You know, and yep. like you said, the, re- the reason why disparities exist is for different reasons. Like you said, it can be complicated.
0: Well, yeah, and it goes, it, these ideas go against uh, Paul's own words. Whenever he says, if, if someone is not willing to work, they shall not eat. Mm-hmm. Like that's a disparity. <laughs> mm-hmm. that's right. if they can't afford their own food and they're not willing to work in order to get that food. And then he says, don't let them eat, let them starve. Well, that's a disparity. So, so disparities themselves cannot be, cannot be, um, um injustices. There right. has to be some, some other factors involved. Right. Um, but yeah, I wish I could remember what, uh, what I was going to say earlier. Cause I felt like it was good, but also, oh, so, so going back to, um, um, the abortion date versus the uh you know uh disparities of 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 or not disparities but uh, but uh, uh prison sentences and stuff like that the other the other issue that I find with that is that their categories are wrong they they try to take their social justice issues the things they are so say are social injustices and they try to say well abortion you're you you are advocating for social and you know to you 're advocating for social justice because you 're advocating against abortion, but the issue is that those aren 't the way that I see it, and I kind of want to get your opinion on is those aren't even in the same category. Mm-hmm. Like social, ju- first of all, social justice has a certain meaning, a certain connotation on modern culture that, that, uh, that, that abortion doesn't. But most of all, there's, there's a few different categories. I mean, a few, a few different reasons. I mean, I, I mean, uh stipulations that I have for whether something is an actual injustice versus a social injustice And most social justice issues fall into the category of not being actual injustices. And that's because they're not specific they're not easily and specifically definable, right? This was my response to Casey Pryor's uh, tweet actually, is that abortion is specifically and easily definable. It is undeniably happening. Like the people that are doing it are giving us the stats, the abortion clinics, Planned Parenthood puts out things every year that tells us how many abortions they did. So it's not like we just have some obscure, you know, data somewhere. It's like, we have hard data that we know is true that nobody is saying isn't true. So we know it's happening. It's easily definable. And it's, it's, biblically defined as an injustice as well so for instance like we were talking about earlier how disparities aren't biblically defined as an injustice so you can't say and that's the difference you can't say that it's an injustice and that's the difference between a lot of these social justice issues and abortion and why i don't even think they're in the same category why i think abortion isn't a social justice issue it's just a justice issue so for instance you might say like income inequality well first of all biblically it's not an injustice but we don't even have to start there let's just start with defining it. What is, what is income inequality to somebody who's advocating for social justice? Is it any difference in income at all? Like if, if, if black families were making on average $2,000 less a year than white families, would that be income inequality? Or is mm-hmm. it at that point we're okay with it? Is it, you, you know what I mean? Like there's no, there's no like set specific definition of it. And, it so, and if it's not all, if all income quality is not um, unjust, then what income inequality is unjust? And you can't get an answer to that. So right. you can't even define it, which that that's one of the issues that you can't even define. There are some that you can define like police brutality and stuff like that, where, where it becomes more obvious. But then of course it becomes, that then you have the issue of, is it undeniably happening? on, on And then is it statistically significant? That's my fourth point. It has to be yeah. statistically significant or else we don't know if it's actually due to the things that they're saying it's due to but anyway kind of what, what are your thoughts on that
1: um man that's a, that's I, a that's a loaded one bro yeah, <laughs> so <yeah. it's> like <laughs> so uh, as you as you're talking i'm thinking about several things and, and um and so like on the income inequality part of it i was t- i had a conversation with a, a brother uh, some time ago um who's on the who uh, advocated for social justice and all those things and when he was talking about how it, how uh, you know blacks make less and such and such, and you know the same issue can go to uh, argument that women make less than men and so on and so forth. Yeah, and um and which you know Thomas Sowell actually I saw an interview, uh, well it was a discussion he had on a panel that was talking about this issue with men and women, which was a good point where I'm not I go into a little bit as I talk about this. But um I was, I told him I said well if you want to prove that there's an injustice here that somebody is actually discriminating against a black man. Went mm-hmm. um, on a, for a position or a job. I said, "Well, this is what I would need to see happen for me." Um, you got a, you got a, a black man and a white man. You got, you know, in for the same position, they do they have the same qu- um, qualifications? Do they meet the same qualifications across the board? Have they gone to the same not not necessarily the same school, but do they have the same degree? Been for the same years? Have they had the same ex- level of experience many years? And so on and so forth. Um, there, in a lot of jobs, because of part. A lot of jobs take people for personality reasons as well. Are they, are they both you know, workable, they, you know, have good attitudes, so on and so forth? Like, are their qualifications so similar? And the only thing that the employer has to choose is, that, you know what, I just want to choose this person because they're white. Yeah. You know, they, they, like, that's what I need to see. And I'm like, I know that I mean, some people may say, you know, like, Jamal, that's an impossible thing to think about. I said, but if you're going to accuse somebody of racism, well, that's what it needs to be because you're talking about a heart issue. Right. Yeah. As far as an adjust as far that. So even when it comes to the income part, and so they get the position. So say if black man gets position, white man gets the same position, but one is paid more than the other. Why is that? So once again, everything's the same. You know, they have all, they have the qualifications, the years of experience and so on and so forth. Yet this person is paid less than this person. You no, know, I need to better know. I better be see. Okay. Everything else is good. It's just, it has to be, that they chose, they gave this person more money because they're white, you know. And there's a lot of factors, and I go into I'll talk about with Thomas Soul. The argument with women in the um in the workplace starts with men, which is a factor. I'm not saying it's completely correct, but it made me think about it more. Is that some men when when men are hired for a similar position, women are hired for the same position, yet they get paid less? A lot of factors looking in place. As women, you know, they get pregnant, they may miss time of work, or whatever the case may be. Whereas the employer has to take that in consideration as well, as far as a man who was going to work most likely the whole year straight, you know, you know, don't have to worry about them having to take maternity leave. And if they do, men take less maternity leave than women do, you know, saying so it's something that's just a factor. No, that's not the full case, you know, in it, but that's just a a factor that was brought out, maybe think about it more as far as how these things are brought out. So just like with, with, um. The feminism is not necessarily it's not necessarily um, the the institutions are against women as far as how they do things. It's some factors mm-hmm. that we need to be drawn that needs to be drawn out. And so same thing with the black and white. It's not that it's racism automatically. It's, it's some factors that need to be drawn out. And so um I got, a guy got upset with me because I allowed for all these nuances, and he was you know especially um concerning uh, the prison system and how you know how, uh, we come out with police brutality and stuff like that. And I was like, when well, you look at the stats, I was like, you know, as far as people who are being killed by um, police officers, white like, blacks are like very few mm-hmm. compared to whites when being killed by police officers. And you look at the stats of those and you say, okay, well, of course, somebody may get killed by a police officer, but there's a reason why it happens. Like, why is a person killed? Were they armed or unarmed? And, you know, and all those things. Oh, yeah. all those factors take in place. So when you look at those stats, the numbers are still even few. Still very few. Yeah. It totally make it, as far as making it very significant, as if this is a, big, as if this is a problem, like, like our police force can't be trusted.
0: Yeah, and this is, this is why they always go to experiential knowledge. Because it's, it's, it, whenever you really dig into the facts, you can't, you just can't get there. And this is why I don't, I don't care as much about experiential knowledge. I just, it's, it's not, it, it's not of any worth to me at all. It's subjective. To be honest. Yeah. It's, it, exactly, it's, it's exactly. It's subjective. Objective, objective ideas. But yeah, if you look, if you look into the stats of, I've, I've done a lot of this because I wrote an article on it about a couple years ago whenever the Black Lives Matter stuff started kicking off. Well, I guess it was about three years ago. Um, and, and so I dug into this because I was like, well, let, let's see, because, because we are seeing these videos. And I even sat down with the pastor at the church I was going to at a time, which I don't go to anymore um, because of some of the social justice stuff. But, and, and I was after I'd written this article and I go, because they had done a video talking about Black Lives Matter. And it was, was kind of like iffy. It was like back and forth. It was, it was like a lot of stuff that churches do that slowly go down this route. This is one of the things that I hate the most. I always tell people if you want to find out if the church is social justice, if they have a blog, read the blog because that's where they start. They start talking about it in the blogs because they don't want to talk about it in front of people because mm. they, they essentially they can't defend it. So they slowly indoctrinate people into it and then they start talking about it in the church at large, which is manipulative because most people don't read the blogs. I think it's deceptive. Um, right. And our church was that way too. Somebody written an article about right for the I read it and I was like, okay. Yeah, it didn't, didn't really think much of it. You know, I was like, okay, well that's, you know, that's one, one of the pastor's opinions on white privilege. That's fine. And and then next they did a video on black lives matter or he did a sermon on black lives matter that I actually thought was good. He was saying, don't say all lives matter because that's not compassionate. And he's right. It's, it's a dumb response in my opinion. I don't know because, just because it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't ask the question. Why are you saying uh black lives matter? Right. Right. Just saying, well, all lives matter. Well, you're missing the point. They're, they're not saying that all lives don't matter when they say that. They're saying that, that we think that black lives don't matter. But mm-hmm. then once you ask that question, now it's like, whoa, hey, that's, pretty, that's a pretty heavy accusation. So where are we getting that from? Right. Which means right. now well. we need to dig into the facts. We need to figure out if what you're saying is true. Because if what you're saying is true, that's a problem. Right. And we need, to, we need to be on the side of black lives matter if what they're, you know, if what they're saying is true. But yeah, welcome back, everybody. We were, uh, we were just discussing... Um, we, we had kind of gotten into um, some of the topics dealing with um, our police brutality, not individual claims, but like, is the overall narrative kind of true. And uh, so, so I was just, I was just basically saying that, that if these claims that black lives matter was making, you know, starting in, in, I guess, 2015 is about whenever it started were true. And my church was right to say that, that this is a movement that not a movement. They they didn't necessarily endorse the movement, like the the actual you know, the, the, cause there are people that are behind movement, but the idea that, that our brothers and sisters of Christ are saying that the black lives don't matter are saying that we, they think that Americans think black lives don't matter and we should be compassionate towards that. And, um, but they were kind of embracing, they were kind of embracing the idea that what they were saying was true. So I decided to sit down with them and, and go over a little bit about like why I didn't think it was true and see if they had anything of value to say to, to refute those claims. Because, I'm willing to go along with it if it's true, because if it's true that, that, um, that there's massive police brutality against blacks that isn't happening against whites and that there's this race-based hatred towards blacks from police departments or from, or from the society at large that makes them not care about them. Well, then that's a problem. We need to be speaking about, speaking out about that uh, as the church. But whenever I sit down to them, you find out that they just never looked into the facts. They right. just heard somebody say, this is my experience. And then they just, oh, that's your experience. Well, it must be true then. Mm-hmm. And I go, well, that, you run into a lot of problems then. Yeah. And, and the, the reality is, is that, like you said, more white people are shot. Now white people are a higher percentage of the population. So, so black people as a percentage of their population are, are two point times more likely to be killed by cops. But there's a bunch of other factors involved. And the main factor being that uh, um, African-Americans tend to live in, in, in neighborhoods that have more crime or they're more likely to live in those, not they're more, more like, they're more likely to live in those neighborhoods that happen to have more crime. If that makes sense. But right. So of course right. that ups the rate. And once you include that, then it, it evens out or it actually, in reality, it looks like white people get shot more often than blacks. But of course there's a whole bunch of factors that go into this. So you can't say that they're being racist against white people either because no. that, would, that would be ridiculous. But anyway, go ahead.
1: I was just thinking, like, um, one guy had brought it up to me too, as far as percentage. Like, when I, had, so when I gave him the stats, as far as the number, he mm-hmm. was like, well, it's still a higher high percentage of the blacks. I said, well, well if you have a, if we're, you know, we're minorities. And so, therefore, yeah, there's less of us, right? But that shouldn't take away from the amount. It doesn't take away from the amount of people. And I was like, and if you, if you look at, like, if you have on your one hand, you have five fingers. So you have, that's, that's, each, each finger or in your thumb, to being independent counts as 20%. So if I take out if I take out two people from my from um the hand of five, what's that? That's only forty percent. Well, if I take away one of my fingers, right, you only have four. Now everything's up to twenty-five percent. If I take out those same two, that's fifty percent. So there's a higher number, but still the same amount of people, but a higher number of um higher percentage because of mm-hmm. the the you know the total amount, and that makes sense. I, I I try to make a simplified way of talking about that, but yeah, and so. The whole point of that is, like, we can't – even if you say as a higher percentage here, it's like that still doesn't make it where this is an epidemic, you yeah. know, because the numbers are still small, and the numbers of those and, – and you think about, like, what the people who are being killed, like, the, white, the whites who are being killed, um, unarmed white men who are killed by police officers, whatever it could be, we, we don't know all the information for and all that kind of stuff. They're not broadcast on the TVs. That's not coming out. You know, you don't see them. out. You can, you can yeah. do research. You can look up the case files and those things, but you can't. You won't hear that on, on Fox News or CNN. That won't come up, you know. So the narrative is that black lives don't matter because that's all we see. That's yeah. always put in front of us is that this black boy was shot. This black boy was killed. They did this. And then on top of that, we don't have a We don't. The news doesn't push out every time a black man kills another black man. You yeah. know, a young black boy kills another black boy. It's not pushed out as often is you do see it in your local news, if something like that has happened, but it's not pushed out nationally, you know, because that, that doesn't matter. That doesn't play into the narrative. You know, at the end of the day, to say, is there, is there an issue? Is there, are there police officers who do wrong? Of course, nobody makes, makes the forces perfect. But to say that police are out to get black people, that's, that's slander, you know, as if, if you make a blanket statement, such a thing.
0: Yeah. And I'm glad you said that. Cause that's exactly whenever I was having my discussion with these guys, at my church, um, these leaders at my church, that's exactly what they would do. Uh, I would be, they, they brought up, you know, some of the instances and I go, yeah, yeah, those are, th- those looked unjust to me like that. Those cops should be prosecuted. And I think in one of the cases, the cop has been prosecuted and went to jail. But, mm-hmm. So in a lot of these cases, these cops do get prosecuted. It's just, you don't hear about it uh, because the media doesn't publicize it once it happens. But I go, yeah, those are back here. I go, but you're talking about an overall narrative, and and these individual anecdotal incidences don't don't prove your narrative. And I go, here, let me show you the stats. So I I pull up on my phone, pull up stats, and I show them the stats, and go like, look, this is this is actually shows that this isn't a, or this doesn't seem to be a racial issue. This doesn't seem right. to be racist, you know, a, a massive amount of racist cops or an institutionally racist police departments or yada yada. Not that they don't exist. I'm sure, I mean, we've got how many hundreds of thousands of cities in this this country. I'm sure they're there. I'm sure there's, there's police departments that are institutionally racist that have policies that are there. But, it's not this massive problem that everybody makes it out to be. And I show them the stats and they go, but what about this video on CNN? And, I'd, and I, and the third time it kind of upset me. I was like, are you I'm just thinking in my head, like, are you even listening to anything that I said? Because mm-hmm. like the third time that he brings up a video again, I go, I just went over stats that show that's not like an overall problem. And I right. already said that, yeah, that's bad. That's bad. You should go to jail. And it's just it's just amazing that people can't get past that. Mm-hmm. They can't get past that. I saw a video of something happened, therefore it's happening. And the real problem with this is if we want to use this as a standard. Do you know who does this too? White nationalists or white white supremacists, I should say. White supremacists do this. You talk to a white supremacist who talks about, you know, black people being inherently bad. What are they going to do? They're going to go world star hip hop and pull up in videos of people fighting people. And You go, what? That's not representative of all black people. Right. And, right. That's what you would say. That's not representative of all black people. It's the hmm. same thing with, with the cops. That's not representative of all police departments. That's not representative of all cops. And to in order to prove that it's actually a systemic problem, you have to show me statistically that this actually is a systemic problem, that there is this divide in some way. But, right. But anyway. It, even,
1: even in a comparison with people say with abortion, it's like with abortion, if, if, and it's just, it's just for the sake of talking, If, if the issue with abortion was that like you have people out there with pictures of aborted babies right and, mm-hmm. and, you know bloodied and everything else and you see that if you if that imagery is out there and say it's not you know it's not going on like that it's matter of fact that's not, not it's not it's not even legal it's just people are doing it something that it's just things that happen like right now it's not legal for a, a man to be killed unjustly like that's yeah. it's not legal you know right so you got this baby who's like who's you know bloodied on this on this whatever platform they have. And that's the image, but it's not really nothing that the country is pushing for or any kind of stuff like that. It just things that's happening. Right. Yeah. But the thing with abortion is that along with those images, along with those instances that we can bring up those cases of people who go in and abort their children, we have stats as well that coincide with that to say, Hey, this is not just um, a few instances or a few occurrences. These babies lives don't matter yeah like that that, that would be true, like these unborn children' lives don't matter, yeah you know whereas no one is pushing, no one is advocating for the injust, the unjust murder of young black men un- unarmed black men, like nobody's advocating for that, yeah, you know what I'm saying like you may have people who do those those things that are wrong and evil and, and sinful and wicked, but nobody's advocating for it, so that obviously their lives do matter. That lives do matter, but over here, people are advocating and call, and for them to be killed. Therefore, they don't matter.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's 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 uh it's just it's different categories. Like I said earlier, they're not even yeah. in the they're not even in the same category, and they try to equate the two. But um, but going back to the, I, I thought of a scripture while you were talking about. Um, um, pay like a like a black man and a white man getting a job that's the same job and one getting paid more than the other yeah you got this is also answered uh, um, in the bible as well um, not necessarily if there's an actual disparity like if somebody's intentionally paying black people yes obviously that's an injustice but but the idea that one person has a higher income than the other doing the same job and we see this see we see this as well like you said with the gender pay gap thing right women are getting paid less and it's like even if you can't figure out what the factor is, we, there's scripture that we can go to that show that no, there shouldn't be government force to to make companies pay everybody um, the same. The same, right? Mm-hmm. Especially since we can. There's a whole bunch of factors involved. But if you go to, uh, I'm, I'm hoping I get the right one here. Um, it's the laborers in the vineyard. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard after. Agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into the vineyard. And this is Matthew uh, chapter 20, by the way. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them, he said, you go into the vineyard too, vineyard. I always say vineyard. I swear, I've done that for years. And I know it's vineyard. And then I catch myself after I do it like three times. And I'm like, like vineyard? Why am I saying vineyard? Anyway. All right. Let's start that sentence. Where are we? You go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went, Uh, going out again in the 6th hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the 11th hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And when they came in the evening, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, "Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. So up to this point, basically he's... He, he needed some workers. He went out and got some workers. He went out again. There's people standing that weren't working. He got them to work. And this was a few hours later. Then a few hours mm-hmm. later, again, he went and got more workers. So, but at the end of the day, they all quit working at the same time. So, they've all worked different hours. Mm-hmm. And he says, uh, it says, and when those hired about the 11th hour came in, each of them received a denarius. Um, uh, now, when those hired first came in, uh, they also uh, received just a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only an hour, and you have made them equal to us who have uh, burn, borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did, I not agree, did you not agree with me for a denarius? Um, and there's a little bit more I'll read in a second. But that's kind of the point mm. that I really want to hit on. Friend, I am... I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? So when people talk about income that's inequality good, good, right. and some people making more, this Bible verse, it's a parable, obviously. So maybe it happened, mm-hmm. maybe it didn't happen. But the point it's trying to make is that is that let your yes be yes and your no be no. Like if you agree to a wage, that's the wage you agreed to. So if mm-hmm. you want a different wage and you want to go out and get a different job and get a different wage, or if you want to negotiate your wage, that's fine. But grumbling and complaining about the fact that some other group of people tends to make more overall isn't, you know, unless there's a specific thing that we can point to that we can say, this is the exact reason why. And, and there's some way to fix that without, without, you know, using some form of uh, reparations, for instance, where you're taking from a group of people that didn't do anything to give to another, then, then we should fix it. Right. Um, but
1: even then, like, you talk about employer, employees, like when you, for a business, a business has a right to hire who they want to hire. Yeah. Like that's, I mean, that's, it's their company, you know? So, I mean, if they, and they, and it's up to them to hire you for the wage they want to hire you for, you
0: mm-hmm.
1: know, whether or not if it's a hard issue, if they're doing it by racism or this uh, uh, I can't think of the word now, but anyway, if they're doing it by racism, like they're judging that in sense is God, that's, uh, that's a sin issue. Right. But it's nothing that the government can fix. There's yep. nothing that anybody can come and make them. Okay. So, Hey, we heard you pay this person more we're going to make you pay this person equal, but they don't have the right to do that.
0: That, Yeah. You you
1: know, that's that's going to get some rights there.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'd say it's an issue of, uh, what is our obligation to man versus our obligation to God? So I think we have an obligation to to God to not pay people less based on their race Mm -hmm. or their gender, you know, excluding outside factors, right? If, if everything else, everything's a similar, it, it would be unjust to do that. Right. But, Is that that an issue for the government to step in? Well, not necessarily because the government, especially in in, uh, Old Testament times, um, um, which is a little bit different because you have direct revelation from God um, through Mm -hmm. prophets. But but, but in general, it's not, whenever we're doing something uh, um, to man that we have an obligation to not do to man, murder, steal, um, destroy their property, whatever it is, right? Then that has to be corrected by man. Who, mm-hmm. who runs government? Man runs government, right? Mm-hmm. Now, now, in the end, God has control of everything. But but on this earth right now, there are men in government running the government. So the men can bring down punishment upon other men for doing things against other men that they had an obligation not to do or for right. not doing something they have an obligation to do. But what we're talking about here is an obligation to God. We have an obligation to God to be charitable, right? We have an obligation to God to not to not, you know... Maybe pay somebody less because of their race or because of their gender or something with all of their factors being the same right. and and that's just, and the reason why I bring that up is because you have to God is only alone God
1: is the one who knows the heart of men you know this person yeah. will have this person will have to be able to admit openly and to men to other men that hey yes, I've done this because of race yeah you know, because other than that it's just like you were saying concerning scripture, this person that I hire they agreed to this wage. I brought yep. I brought to them the wage. They agreed to it. They said yes. They didn't ask me. Um, okay, do you have somebody else who's white who has the same the same amount or more? Which confidentially they can't give that information anyway because the laws protect that. So it's like you know it, it, that's what makes it such a like a <laughs> a complicated issue. But it's like it's simple at the same time. It's like when it comes to race racism, so those are matters of the heart. You know, what I'm saying they like, refute that, rebuke that, right? give them to the Lord. But when it comes to the disparities on a the job, there's so many factors in place. You can't just say because they exist, that it's racism. I know we already said we beat the dead horse a little bit, but yeah, <laughs> it comes back to it.
0: Yeah. It's in, in, like you said, we beat the dead horse, but it's so, it just seems some of this seems so obvious and so blatant that, that it's, 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 you do end up repeating yourself a lot. Yeah. And, and, and that kind of, that kind of brings us into another subject. Um, with uh, I know you've done some videos on on Eric Mason's uh, interview with the Jude Three Project and one one in particular one of the parts you talked about um, people not reading the books of James Cone and not uh, not reading about Marxism from a first uh, from a, a primary source or something like that and rather getting it from the voice of some white evangelical or something like that mm-hmm. um, and I've always that's probably one of the most frustrating arguments for me is is hearing people say uh, in even whenever the whiteness is wicked controversy on, I'm sure you remember that when that, when that controversy was going around where, where uh, where there's people defending those, those statements um, you had the, you had the same thing you would, you would question like, well, wait, you're saying this, that seems a little bit racist or that seems a little bit, you know, this or that. Why, why would you say that? What is your, your reason for saying this? And and then they tell you to Google it because,
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: because, because they couldn't provide you an answer. Yeah. But it, it's really interesting that, the same people who don't want to have open discussions with others are the same people who are telling us that we need to read books and we need to Google it. It's almost as if it's those who can't, it, essentially, if you ask me anything, even if I think you don't know much about a subject, I'm going to have a plain answer. And right. if I don't have a plain answer in less than a paragraph in less than two or three tweets, um, of course you might have questions beyond that. It may not be a perfect answer, but if I can't give you like a general like people have asked me for a definition of social justice before and I give them a definition of social justice. You don't, you don't mess around, you know, beat around. And it's the same thing with everything else. If you can't just give somebody a direct answer, you probably don't know the subject well enough in order to be saying that they're wrong. Right. So just telling people to read books is kind of absurd, but anyway, um, um, you have any thoughts
1: on yeah. I mean, If you, if you, if you uh, on the subject of asking somebody a question like, if you've, the, a person who's referring the book, if they've read the book themselves, which most likely they probably have, then there's information in that book that they can give an answer to the person who's asking. Yeah. It's like I, you fair. know, hey, if I'm asking you a, a specific question concerning something that you said that that somebody else can that you can cite somewhere else. Okay, well, I'm asking you a question about that. And, uh, obviously, that author said more about it. than you know the reason why you hold to it. Like you, you like you don't. A person doesn't read a book. Or any information, and just read one line and without reading the rest to see, okay, why I'm actually going to believe what this person is saying. There's a reason behind it, and I have to agree yeah. with your reasoning. You know, that's one. That's that's across the board. I have to agree with your reasoning in order to agree with you. You know, and, and that's
0: good. Good.
1: Oh no, no, that, that's okay. That's, I was know, just going like, to say,
0: you know, the the perfect example of this is us is us giving a paragraph or two on why we agree with with Thomas Sowell. Mm-hmm. Like, if someone were to say. If someone were to say something against Thomas Sowell, I I have a feeling that your comment would not be, or or something against an idea that Thomas Sowell has expressed. Your feeling would not be, well, you need to go read the primary books of Thomas Sowell. You'd probably say, well, no, here goes what he said, and this is why I think he's right. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what we did earlier. But Mm -hmm. we would never request anybody just to go read Thomas Sowell so that we didn't have to answer an objection to an idea that, that maybe we heard from Thomas Sowell at some point. Right, right. It would be ridiculous. Like that would be preposterous. And, and, and I don't think any of my friends that, that are even fans of Thomas Sowell would, would find me very respectable if I was just <laughs> <laughs> insisting that everybody read a Thomas Sowell book before I express an idea. Obviously, if I can't express the idea, or if I can't articulate the idea, then I may not know it well enough. Right. But.
1: But, nah, we don't. I don't. We don't use that reasoning. When, even like as Christians, I, you know, we we don't use that reasoning when we're refuting other false religions and stuff like that. Like, has every as every Christian who opposes the witnesses Witnesses read everything concerning Jehovah's Witness, Charles Taze Russell, what he did, and so on and so forth. Yeah. So, how can you speak on the Jehovah's Witnesses' for What they teach if you haven't read everything, if you haven't read all of their misquote misquotation of the Bible, like yeah. I, you know, same thing with Mormons. The same thing with. Islam. Like, have you read all the Hadiths and everything else before you can form an opinion about what Muhammad actually said or what he taught or was it even wrong? You can't do that. And so we don't use that. We don't use that reasoning in those other er arenas where we would have no disagreement as far as how we deal with it. We will say, most people, most Christians will say, I just need to know the scriptures. I mean, I just, I need to know what the word says and believe the scriptures. So I believe we can believe the scriptures and know that when we hear something that's false, we judge it according to what scriptures teach because within scripture is truth.
0: Yeah. And, and if you're talking, it's a perfect example because if you're talking to a Jehovah's witness or a Mormon and, and you, you express an idea about why Mormonism is wrong, why, why the Jehovah's witness or the watchtower, or whatever it is, uh, beliefs are wrong. Um, and they go, well, that's not right because of yada, 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 you know, that would make sense. They, they refute one of your claims and you go, Oh, well maybe I need, need to look at that more. You might do that. Maybe, maybe something that somebody told me about a Jehovah's witness or a Mormon is wrong. And then you'd go, you'd go research whether that's wrong, but if they just go, but if they don't give you a reason, they just say, Oh, you're wrong. You need to read You need to read the Jehovah's, Jehovah's witness Bible. Mm-hmm. Well, That doesn't give you any information to go off. You don't even know why you're wrong, where you're wrong, wh- whether you don't know whether they've actually legitimately know that you're wrong themselves. Or you're just telling this. If somebody just tells you you're wrong. Go read a book. Why would I go read that book? you've given me no reason to actually read the book Mm -hmm. besides just saying I'm wrong, which, well, you could be wrong. Why would I trust somebody who can't articulate their idea? So it's not, it's not even just that it's wrong. It's that it's not helpful. Right. Like like you said, you don't, you don't, you don't do anything else in that way because it's so unhelpful. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything for anybody. That's true. Oh, but uh, we're getting we're getting close to an hour here, so we'll probably we'll probably kind of sum it up. Well, I guess some of the one of the things that that you had mentioned that I think is is probably a more controversial thing that you said uh, on whenever you did that podcast with AD, and then and then I saw you had some videos on it, but I haven't had time to watch all of them yet. Uh, was whenever you talked about George Whitfield, and um, and and uh, well, I'm just going to get you kind of kind of run down uh, some of the the explanations you've given for. For George Whitfield and, and what you think about that. So, what what are some uh, what are some some uh, ideas that you've expressed about George Whitfield and why things aren't aren't exactly as they as they seem whenever it comes to to because I think this probably came up if I had to guess it probably came up during the discussion about are were slave owners saved were they actually Christians? Um, mm-hmm. um, but anyway, what what are some, some of your thoughts on that?
1: So, um, well, when I started addressing it, or even starting to research it more, was on my show. I did a, um, I did a podcast dealing with well, a, a, a person watching my show on YouTube had asked me the question as far as what happened at MLK 50. Why there was so much heat as far as um, uplifting Martin Luther King Jr. as a Christian, and so on and so forth. And while there's you no know, slave owners who are Christian, you know, George, and he named uh, specifically George Whitfield. And um and um Jonathan Edwards, and so I was like, okay, I said, you know what, I'm gonna address it on my show. And so I began to um, look up. I did like a couple series on, on Martin Luther King, and I did one on George Whitfield, and I did one on Jonathan Edwards briefly, but George Whitfield was the interesting one, um, more so. And um and so as I'm getting to research him, I started to see, okay, well, the, the the claim is, okay, he's a Christian. Like we see, he's a Christian. But the argument against him is that he didn't like love rightly.
0: Mm-hmm. So the
1: arg- the argument with Martin Luther King was that he didn't believe correctly, but he loved right. Like he, you know, he had the right idea for his neighbor, even though he didn't have good theology, you know. And so, with George Whitfield, is like he had good theology, but he didn't put it in practice the correct way. And so that's the claim. That's the, that's the claim against him. So I was like, okay, well, let me let me look it up. And so as I began to um, look him up, and I you know realized who he was, like okay, well he wasn't an American, you know, he he was British, and um, he would travel to the Americas. Um, and And it says that he he traveled to America probably like seven times in his life I mean that many and so while he was here um uh, he had a, he had an orphanage here um a, a one that was up north and then the one that started in um the georgia and um and that orphanage was uh for black slave children like you know children like children who didn't have families and it's for black kids you know and I thought it was very interesting. And um, he but he wanted so sort of the, the the argument with George Whitfield is because he made a he sent out a letter, um, for uh, he argued for the continual uh, continuance of slavery in Georgia, but his reasoning for doing so was because he had this orphanage; he doesn't want the orphanage to fail. Um and so he's like, hey, the the having slaves is benefits to orphanage, you know, far as the workers and stuff like that. Keep in mind George Richville is not there. Now I guess the answer is he could have moved to the states, right? He could have moved to the states and, you know, hired some indentured servants and stuff like that. He could have done that. I guess you made the argument for that. But he had he had he owned slaves, I think he owned like fifty slaves or whatever may maybe, I think. And um and so the argument is that he hate he hated black people, he hated his neighbor. But there was no evidence of that, that he hated his neighbor. And I started thinking about, far as slavery as a, slavery in general, not not beating people to you know, the the, un, the the um, beating people to kidnapping of people and so on and so forth. Just slavery in general. Yeah. Was it was it a sin? Like does, does the Bible ever claim that slavery in itself is a sin? And I started thinking about all these factors as I'm looking at George Whitfield and everything. Because my thing is, I have no problem with admitting that George Whitfield has some issues if there are issues present. Yeah. Issue president. I mean, I can think about all the things he could have done. I'm like, okay, well, I would have done it this way. I would have done it that way. But the problem is he's not here to defend himself as far as maybe he didn't think about those things. Maybe he did. Or maybe there's a reason why he couldn't do certain things, like it should be. Don't know that. But yeah. what we do all we do know is that he owned slaves, that he had an orphanage, he pushed for slavery in Georgia, and that he sent letters to Virginia and um, and uh, some other states getting rebuking them for their mistreatment of slaves. So obviously he cared about slaves. It wasn't that he just hated hey, these, these people are not human or any kind of stuff, you know. And um, he even expressed in his letter to Virginia those in those um, other con- uh, colonies that he whether or not to own slaves or not, he wasn't sure. Not if it was a sin or not. He wasn't convinced that it was a sin, but he wasn't completely against the idea that it maybe could be. He, but he's like, I'm. I'm not convinced that it is. I don't know, but I do know that we don't treat them this way, you know. Yeah. And, um, and so I was looking at all these things with George Wilfield, It was just interesting as the information came about, and um, you know, I, I know I'm kind of going kind of scattered brain here, but it was it was a lot of information that be brought out concerning him and how things happened. And I thought it was very interesting to me. Um, on my channel, I brought up was that there was a poem that a slave girl had of him, or who um, who did after he passed, and what she wrote about him. And the words, and I I, I read it on my podcast, but it's it was beautiful the way she talked about him. Like this, the way she talked about him is not in a way of somebody who hated their neighbor. Yeah. you know, it, it's like it wasn't just her. She talked about how other other slaves who just waited to listen to him speak and preach. And so this this is not of a man who came every time he came. He just he hated his neighbor. He hated those people. He didn't put in practice his Christian standards and values. You know, he was he just wasn't convicted on whether or not it was a sin to own them. And and on the way, I look at it. I know this is unpopular for people like myself to say, but if I'm a Christian during that time, and I know, and I know, just like George Whitfield knew, that there are owners who beat and mistreated their slaves. Well, I would want to purchase slaves in order to keep them from the ones who were mistreating them. Yeah. And and at that time, and if you was a let, uh, and I and I thought about this. Well, why not just let the slave go free? Like once you once you once you get them, why not let them go free? Well, if you just let them go free, well, what are they going to do? What do they have? Where are they going to stay? where are they going to go? What land do they have? and so not only is it, so I understand why they not only just purchased but why they lived with them for the long for the time that they did until they were able to purchase their freedom because during that time when slaves were free, they weren't just free with nothing, they were free with money, you know, and they was able to go and start their life again so i mean it's it's a lot of those factors in that. I know it's not popular for me to say, but <laughs>
0: yeah yeah was, yeah this is uh that's one of the things I like about you is you you don't you don't uh stay with any certain territory you just say what you think is true and and let the chips fall where they may which is which is rare it's rare for a lot of people are you still there oh, okay you're screened yeah, yeah. I wonder if you're there but uh but yeah that that's interesting I'm gonna have to go back and watch all those um because because I know I heard some of that information in the podcast you do with a d and uh and uh, that's just something where I'm not very well versed as far as like uh, history goes, history of particular individuals. I know, I know a general understanding of, of, of what went on, you know, in history, but not, not of specific individuals. Um,
1: I would, I would, I would encourage um, anybody if they, if they want to look into that. It's a website called wallbuilders.com. Oh, okay. Um. It's, well, it's is a- that,
0: um, uh, oh, what is his name? That's a guy that does that, that, Goes around to churches sometimes and does like the history of uh, Christianity in the church and that sort of thing.
1: I'm not sure. I'm not sure.
0: Barton. Barton. Something Barton.
1: It sounds familiar. I just, I just don't, I looked at the site and the, the information they have, they have uh, articles, even they have like actual sources, like news articles and and, mm-hmm. and all these things of, of things that took place. They talked about how um, that was, I know um, that was a good resource when I was looking into um, independence day, you know, as far as, the start of of America when they when we won our uh, independence and what that meant for blacks and so on and so forth, and even how um, slavery was prior to Independence Day, and then so on and so forth. You know, it it was very interesting. You know, and so it just it just showed that the narrative by true documentation that they have there is like the narrative is just wrong. That it's like the country is founded off of racism and all these things like that. And it's like, man, like we before before America won its independence. We were under Britain, and Britain didn't want to end slavery. America, the colonies wanted to end slavery. The majority of them did. Um, the South didn't, of course. You know, they had the fields and crops and everything else. It's a different terrain. Um, but the, the majority of the population in, the, in early America, the 13 colonies, they wanted to end slavery, but Britain was against it, you know, because the slave trade was, you know, was, it had, they made a lot of money off of it. And it wasn't just in America that the slave trade was going on. It was other countries as well. You know, but it seems like America gets the most heat for having, been a participant yeah. of the slave, the slave trade. But, um, you know, so all of that was going on. But then when America won its independence, the, America, the, the founding fathers, actually put in place something to actually help us you know, come out of this. And, and because America um, was a, well came to be a democracy, it wasn't about being a dictatorship. So one, one, one person was going to rule the whole lot you know, or one party was going to rule the whole lot. They wanted to be a democracy, you know, and so with that being that, and I, I remember discussing with some fellas, but like the the uh, the three, the three-fifths compromise, I mentioned on my show, the three-fifths compromise has always been put out as being, hey, this is, this was against blacks. They, they looked at blacks less than human They made them, you know, less than a person because their, uh, their population counted less when it comes to representation in the Senate. And I was like, oh, representation in the House of Representatives or whatever. And I was like, you think about it, what happened What happened with the Three-Fifths Compromise is that the South had a uh, abundance of population because not only the whites were there, but the blacks as well. So they had, if you look at the census uh, from the time that um, the Declaration of Independence was signed and so on and so forth, it's like the, the South had like a huge number in population growth, a huge number compared to the rest. Mm-hmm. And But most of that was because of slaves. So what the Three-Fifths Compromise did was that free men? Those free black men, they counted as one person. So it wasn't just blacks in general who counted as three fifths, but black men who were free counted as one person, and uh, but those who are slaves, it was it was three out of every five slaves counted as far as that for that population on representation for representation. Mm-hmm. So what happened over the course of years because of that compromise and the South didn't like that. The South hated that. They wanted, they wanted all their slaves to count, but the North, but the, but those who are against slavery, who oppose slavery, they knew that if the South continued to have this high, higher number, they will always have power in the house as far as having more re- representation. And so they put that in place to stifle them. And what that did, it took a while. It took some, it took some, it took a few decades for it to actually, for, um, So I think we're 1865 or something right now where slavery actually ended. And so it's like you're talking about some decades in between that. But every 10 years, you see a significant number of free blacks who vote, who our population is being counted in the North, who's opposing the South slavery to the point where when it came time to vote on whether or not slavery is going to continue, the South had no power. They had little power in order for it to continue. So it ended. It was inevitable that it was going to end. And I was, you know, and that's a beautiful thing, like you know, it's like they had this in mind, the founders had that in mind when they was coming up with Declaration of Independence, and so I don't think they're they're not giving enough credit during that time, you know
0: yeah, yeah it's 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 like like we were talking about earlier, it's just a lot more complicated than uh than people put it up to be. It wasn't like you had an entire country of racist people,
1: <laughs> there, right.
0: was, there, was, there was a big a big split going on on whether this practice should continue or not. And if it's going to end how you are going to end it. And because I know Thomas Jefferson, he was against slavery, but at the same mm-hmm. time he, he, um, he had some other, other issues where he, he didn't slide with the abolitionist on. So it was, mm-hmm. it's just real complicated. And also our, our founding documents, the, the idea that all men are created equal and that we have, we all men who are created equal are, are, are have life, the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness mm-hmm. like that that is a repudiation of the idea that we should enslave a certain uh, segment of people because they have a certain color of skin. Right. Like it's, so it's just, it's, it was almost a matter of, of coming into, um, coming into the principles, like the country actually coming together and coming into the principles that were expressed in the declaration of independence and in the constitution of the United States. Um, uh, because slavery was was directly opposed to some of the the ideas expressed mm-hmm. in these documents and i think that's that's what probably ultimately ends it that along with some of the, the historical context that you gave um, as well is that now we look at it cuz now we look at it and we go how could every anybody have ever written this and thought that it was okay to enslave people based on race right. like that's right. crazy that's crazy you wrote this this document that talks about being created under God, being equal, having all these certain inalienable rights that the government can't take away. And yet you were okay with slavery. Like that's, that's, that's crazy to us nowadays. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like the documents were written in a way that, that would slowly over time progress towards a more free society and that it would take a rejection of those documents to go away from a free society, which is kind of what we're seeing now. We're slowly seeing go in the opposite direction we're rejecting some of the principles. But uh, but yeah, man. Thank, that, that was an I think that was a fantastic way to end, to end this uh, piece. I love that that uh, history lesson that you gave on that. Um, I knew some of it, but some of it, some of it I didn't, and I'm sure uh, viewers will find it real interesting. Uh, but yeah, everybody, this is Jamal uh, Bandy. Uh, go to Prescribed Truth on YouTube, or you can go to PrescribedTruth.com. Um, he has a website as well. You can find his YouTube content there. You can find um, he has an area with his mission statement, so you can get kind of where he's coming from, what he believes. Um everything there as well. Um but yeah, do you have any have any uh anything to plug before we before we end here? Your uh Twitter account, anything like that?
1: Yeah, so you can find you can find me on Twitter as well at Prescribed Truth. Um also Facebook, Prescribe Truth Apologetics. And um I have a podcast that I do um live on it's live on YouTube as far as video, but on uh, the audio can be found anywhere on Apple, iTunes, anywhere that find podcasts are available. Um, but it's called Prescribing Truth. Um Um, that's so that's the name of that podcast prescribing truth podcast and um, you can find that there as well If you just want to listen to the audio portions so i really appreciate you having me on the show man and um, having this discussion um i even learned some things as well too as we were speaking so i really do appreciate the the opportunity
0: yeah that was awesome uh yeah thanks for coming on um and i hope we get to do this again man
1: man